How's it going, everybody? Josh Remini here with Dilworth Drug and Wellness, and this is your Functional RX podcast. This week, we are going to talk a little bit about natural remedies for cholesterol. And if we have a little time, we'll talk about natural remedies for uh, blood pressure as well. Right. You know, that's the hot button thing, you know. I always ask Ryan, I'm like, what are people searching for on the internet? That's that's literally why I'm on the podcast, because yeah. I just find what people are looking for. Like, and and I see it in, in the store all the time, is, you know, our, people are always looking for, you know, quote-unquote natural solutions to things. And a, a common one is definitely cholesterol. So if we start and say... Could you give a definition of kind of what is cholesterol or maybe a good cholesterol versus bad cholesterol, high cholesterol? Sure. Yeah. You know, there's many different layers to cholesterol, which is really the important piece to this is cholesterol is really a good thing. It's when it's out of balance, which creates the problem. Um, And the old method of thinking for cardiovascular disease was cholesterol builds and there's good cholesterol, bad cholesterol very bad cholesterol, different ways to think about how that is. So people might have heard of, you know, you do a total cholesterol, it's a certain amount, and then you have HDL, LDL, and triglycerides. Those are kind of the three major components of cholesterol. Well, cholesterol really is just a building block to make stuff, okay, to make hormones, to make uh, cholesterol. You You need cholesterol to make cortisol, your hormones, like testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, all of those hormones are made from the building block of cholesterol. That's where they start. So cholesterol isn't necessarily a bad thing. Again, it's something that our body needs in order to make important things in our body, right? Right. Like hormones. So when it becomes a number, these doctors like numbers, right? (laughs) So when the number is bad and They look at total cholesterol, okay, well, that's high. And then we look at, well, if total cholesterol is high, let's look at the parts. And then the HDL is the high-density lipoproteins. Those are what we consider good cholesterol for us. The LDL, the low-density stuff, or the very low-density stuff, is considered what we would all consider bad cholesterol. And triglycerides are kind of like circulating blood fat is what it is, right? So there's different ways. So... We, we like to balance those numbers up. What's interestingly, though, is it's not just the number. It's also how big these particles actually are that make a real difference. And the new way of thinking in some medical realms, one of them probably functional, is, you know, the old way of thinking is those that cholesterol is floating around the arteries, right? And then all of a sudden, the numbers get too big, and they form plaques on the arteries, And then we have this thing called atherosclerosis, which is hardening of the arteries, the heart arteries, and they're not as, they can't move as fluidly as possible, Mm -hmm. so they can't do their job. And hardening of the arteries causes cardiovascular disease, which is causing the downstream effects of bad health. Right. So the thought process for that was, well, if we keep the number down, then we can't have X, Y, and Z. And so there was a huge push to reduce that LDL, especially the LDL and the total cholesterol number and the triglycerides, you know, we thought this was bad, 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 bad. And for good reason, like that's a plausible explanation for for why we would want to reduce the incidence of cardiovascular disease and the hardening of the arteries. So 
this is where statins came in. A lot of people have under, you know, have heard the word statin and it got to the mainstream medicine was just giving statins out to everybody to prevent cardiovascular disease by keeping that number as low as they possibly could or low, low in the guidelines. So whatever the guidelines at the time said. So we had this component of people getting on statins and getting on these other cholesterol medicines to kind of keep the numbers down and things of that nature. And they're, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, I am the pharmacist that dislikes drugs, but it doesn't mean that I'm the pharmacist that hates them and says they're not, they're, they shouldn't be used. So I don't want people to hear me and say, well, Josh's statins don't work for everybody. I'm going to quit my statin. I'm going to, I'm going to take something else. No, we're just talking about like different philosophies here and how things work with cholesterol. You know, if you think about it, if, if we need to make testosterone and we need to make all these building blocks and hormones that are signals for almost every chemical reaction in our body, if we drove that number down so low, could we actually thrive at the capacity we could? So I don't really think, and now if somebody's risk value is so much higher because of their genetics and some of the other things going on, then maybe we need to address that number quite a bit. But, you know, I always why is the cholesterol high? What can we do uh, to help with that? Well, one, food. Not not more food, better food. Yeah, eat the right food, right? Mm -hmm. So if we reduced our saturated fat intakes and we put more plant-based nutrients in our body and whole foods and good fats and the mono mono and polysaturated good fats with avocados and nuts and olive oils and things like that, that Mediterranean modified Mm -hmm. Mediterranean diet, that seems to be very helpful because we need those. But so, you know, there's a, you know, I've worked in pharmacy my whole life since I was 16 years old. So we've seen people more and more. It's like your cholesterol's high. Let's go on a statin. And now people are really, the reason that we're talking about this today is a lot of people are coming to me. They're like, I think the statin's not making me feel well. Or, you know, there's links now to long-term statin use to having some consequences to it. Mm-hmm. So we thought they were really anti-inflammatory and doing all this good stuff. There's links to Alzheimer's. There's links to myalgias and, and muscle aches and weakness and foggy brain. The link to Alzheimer's is relatively new. Alzheimer's is double, tripling, and, and it's becoming a really big problem. Hmm. And cognitive decline is is something that's becoming a, a huge problem in, in our society. So it's something that's on the radar. So a lot of people, they're kind of statin resistant, right? They don't really, they're either having effect of it or they've heard enough where they're not so sure anymore. They'd rather not try it. And there's probably alternative ways to work. And I, and that's, that's where we go with them. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, if that's not right for you and your doctor is okay with you, you know, they prevent, if you've had a stroke or you've had a cardiovascular disease, like a heart attack, they can be useful in statistical means to preventing a secondary event, but there's very little argument to say that they're going to prevent a primary effect. Hmm. So the new way of thinking is to say, well, what's causing that cholesterol to actually form the plaque and some of this newer thinking is it's really the inflammation that's on the arteriole that's causing the artery to be a little more sticky 
if it's a little more sticky because there's inflammation and that inflammation is actually causing the cholesterol to be a little stickier to the, the lining of the artery, then it's more apt to collecting and then more. So hmm. we're really trying to figure out what we can we do to reduce inflammation at the arteriole so the cholesterol is less sticky and becomes less bothersome. The other component is particle size. The easiest way to think about this is, you know, I always recommend if your insurance will cover it to get an advanced cardiometabolic profile on your cholesterol rather than just good, bad, and what is it. Particle size is important. So think of it this way. If if your cholesterol looks like BBs, they're going to pounce on that, you know, they're going to fire in on that arteriole and they're going to cause some damage. Mm-hmm. But if they're big fluffy beach balls, what are they going to do? They're just going to bounce around. Mm-hmm. They're just going to, they're not going to really do a whole lot. So particle size is important. So this tiny smart particle size is also something we should be looking at because hmm. it's not just the number, like I said. So what can we do? We can change things naturally as well. Food is medicine, food is information. So let's get started with that first. And, and we all know what an anti-inflammatory, high you know, Mediterranean diet, those things that we can use, good fats, good clean protein, plant-based diet, those are important. But you know, from a clinical nutrition perspective, what can we do that's important for actually improving cardiovascular disease? Well, omega-3 fish oils can help reduce triglycerides. Um, they're really important for us, and they're high in those fishes and stuff like that, but we just don't eat enough. So right. for cardiovascular health, now, I recommend it. Has there been any studies, and I think there have, and you might have been the one that told me about this, the Nordic countries that eat a lot of that fatty fish generally have lower cholesterol issues? Yep. Yeah. Well, okay. we, you're we, the, I think you're the one that told me about this. Well, there's... It, this is why, you know, omega-3s are an essential fatty acid, which means they're essential to us. We don't make them, mm-hmm. but we need them in our diet. And omega-3s are very rich in fish. So if we need them out of our diet and we don't eat enough fish, then we really need to supplement with it. So they've found people that live in these environments or these some of these what they call blue zones too. Like there's different areas of the world that they consider blue zones where people are eating the right things, they're having community, their lifestyle is better, right? Mm-hmm. They they have community, they do things, it's, everything's whole plant-based. Or if they're, they're eating a lot of fish, they're finding that their cholesterol is just, their cardiovascular health is really what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. is better. So I always try to help people by, you know, encouraging them to take omega-3s in whatever f- fashion they can. I just, we don't, really eat salmon three to five days a week. So it's kind of like, well, here's a purified fish oil that we vetted for you. Because also it comes from animals. It could be toxic too, right? Especially mm-hmm. in our toxic environments. So you don't want the heavy metals and the mercuries and things like that either. So we start there. People that have had issues with statins or are wanting to be uh, reduce their statin use or getting off statins, we, one, we just make sure the doctor's cool with it, right? We don't want to recommend reducing medications that have been prescribed unless the whole team's on board. Right. But once we get kind of that, yeah, my doctor's cool, we can do this, or I've talked to the doctor personally and we've gone through the process, I tell them that I just don't take them off. It's like there is a lifestyle and nutrition plan we're going to put them on, and the supplements are very important. Red yeast rice is a natural product that is kind of like a mini statin. That's actually where Mevacor, the first statin, came from. Was They found it in this yeast from red, red yeast rice. So 
it's a monoclonal K is the active ingredient in it, but basically it's uh, like a mini statin. So I used to recommend that as a statin alternative, but really in effect, I'm giving them another statin. <laughs> What's important to notice or to note with anybody that takes a statin, the your body's natural ability to make CoQ10 which is a really, really important substance in our body for energy and ATP and just cellular energy is depleted. So the statins are called HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors. All that means is it inhibits that pathway, that enzyme that makes cholesterol, but that same pathway is also inhibited. That inhibitor also inhibits the pathway to making something really healthy for you, which is CoQ10. Mm-hmm. So we always try to replete patients on CoQ10 that take statins. So if you are taking a statin and you're cool with it, please get a high quality absorbable CoQ10. It's like it's like this than that for me. If they're on a statin, it's kind of a it's a no brainer. You got to take it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we can improve some of the foggy brain. You think about what what the side effects of a statin are. And I have a slide that I use when I teach pharmacists nationally about the importance of certain nutrients is you take the side effects of a statin and then you match them up with the the effects of depletion of CoQ10 and they're almost exactly the same. So if you're depleting CoQ10, maybe that's the cause of the side effect, the foggy brain, the myalgias. If you think about CoQ10 is so important in the electron transport chain and in a sense, energy, our energy producing cells in our body, our brain, our heart, our detoxification systems, our muscles. Well, if we're depriving our cells at the cellular level of energy, which is CoQ, one of the, one of the things is CoQ10. It seems like it wouldn't be very good. Well, you think that's so, I, I usually start with like, let's replete the CoQ10, see where we get. And sometimes myalgias and the foggy head and all that type of stuff go away because you're repleting back what you need. Hmm. But sometimes it's still an effect of the problem of the actual statin. So People that have wanted to get off getting off statins is uh, there's a new uh, a product that just got uh, in front of a couple years ago, and there's other things. So fiber super important cellular fiber. If you can't eat enough fiber with your fruits and vegetables, take it in a pill or a powder, something that doesn't taste bad. But a solubilized fiber will help pull cholesterol from the gut and help reduce that. So super important. Americans don't eat enough fiber. There's so much so much things we can do with just fiber. Um, another thing is using niacin and certain types of niacin that can help reduce with triglycerides, some HDL, LDL balance. I'm using plant sterols is another thing that's used quite a bit. Those are kind of the, the mainstays people have been aware of recently. But the one that I've been using quite a bit is something called bergamot, which oh, is... Yeah, you've talked about that before. It grows exclusively in a very narrow coastal region in southern Italy. It's a citrus alkaloid. But it, its unique components to it support healthy LDL cholesterol, which means it's reducing the LDL, which is kind of what a statin does. Improves HDL balance, but really helps mostly with that inflammatory balance, which I was talking about was sort it's of, kind the, of root the root cause. cause yeah. So, and it doesn't, it doesn't, it dampens that HMG CoA reductase without depleting the CoQ10. So. It's a really, really nice uh, supplement. And they've actually done a few studies head-to-head with Crestor with it, like really small ones. Mm -hmm. Nutritional companies don't really have the 
fortitude or the the money to put forth a double blind placebo controlled study. <laughs> they can't complete with a uh, crestor thousands money. of core. But I have a study that went with these bergamot polyphenolithic fractions against crestor and with crestor, and they found that you got a benefit head to head with crestor. So if you took crestor, you took this bergamot, it actually improved the balance equally or better. I think the triglyceride balance and was a little bit better with the bergamot. And then they also did a study that says if you took Crestor and you added bergamot to it, the numbers improved better than Crestor itself, meaning that there's a different mechanism behind it and it giving synergy to it. So I use it quite a bit now for the statin resistant patient and I get to show some of the scientific evidence to it right. to share with the doctors because that gives them more confidence to say, oh, okay, let's try it. Now, have so, your clients or your patients seen that kind of benefit once you've given it to them? Or yes, is it just... I've seen it in clinic too. So nice. what I do is I say, well, if you're going to stop the statin, let's try it for 90 days and let's do a blood test and see what happens. And there's been some people, one person actually had an issue and it's because it turned out she had familial hypercholesterolemia, which basically means she had a genetic predisposition for really, really high cholesterol. Hmm. So when you look at the genetics of somebody, you have to get it from your mom and your dad. And there's four different variants for that. So if you think about four variants times two and how many statistically relevant categories are, you have to have the fourth category for both family members to have this familial hypercholesterolemia. So it's, it's not, it is pretty common, but it's something that we kind of, we're, we're still working on a lot of different ways to, to help with that because she's just fighting genetics. Yeah. But I've had really good results in the clinic with that. It's because of the side effect profile or the non-existent side effect profile and and the things that it doesn't do, like lower CoQ10 and, and, and helps with the inflammation at the arterioles, it's really getting to that root cause of cardiovascular function, which is really why I'm excited about it. Right. So, I mean, just kind of recapping once again, it's like, well, first off, eat better, you know, try and, try and have a more natural, holistic type diet, like the Mediterranean diet is one that we discuss quite a bit. And then, you know, some of the natural supplements out there can definitely help. You know, it sounds like bergamot is a, a really good option for people. Yeah, and it's not like the bergamot essential oil. Like, you have to get this specific kind. It's bergamot BPH. It's BPF. It just BPF. stands for bergamot polyphenolithic fractions. But basically, it's it's taking the things that bergamot does. It's like the active ingredient in bergamot. and and breaks it down and puts it in the capsule. So we hmm. use one by Orthomolecular. I don't know of any other company that has it. Um, and Orthomolecular is a professional grade supplement company. So they they really only use for providers. So it's really hard for me to tell, don't oh, go on the internet and find bergamot. It's not that easy. Um, they have some of the, some exclusive patent on this gotcha. polyphenolithic fractionoid type thing. Dr. Makes Google it, can't help you on this one. Makes it worth it. But yeah, guess what? I did all that vetting and I've, yeah. I've done all the research. This is sort of how I get paid, right? <laughs> People take my they knowledge for your brain. and they, and they should take, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, you can't go out there and go, you try to go self-diagnose when someone should be guiding you, you know, there, you should be getting your labs and taking a look at that. There's point of sale labs we can do now. We can test cholesterol. I mean, you don't have to necessarily, a lot of direct to consumer labs are coming out there. We can do a full cardiovascular panel on somebody, but you need guidance. Um, there's nothing good about a direct to consumer lab. If all you do is get the number. Right. And you don't know what to do with it, you know? So, yeah, great. Those are the things we can do. Um, I've, we've talked quite a bit on the cholesterol side. The other side of cardiovascular health that people talk to me about is how do I lower my blood pressure? Cause those are the two things that kind of, kind of go to the pill for the ill thing. But you know, we understand that good sleep habits and exercise and good good protein, good, you know, things, all these things improve blood pressure. People don't realize that there's certain vitamins that are actually can reduce your blood pressure, like vitamin E, D, C, B2, B6, a lot of methylfolate, B12, dark chocolate is good for mm-hmm. your, for your blood pressure. So, but dark chocolate yeah, and, the, not and not the tasty the one bar. Yeah. I love dark chocolate. What are you talking about? Uh, it, it's we, not as good as white chocolate. Not me. I, I love, I've learned to love dark chocolate. Um, so 72% or more cacao is what's considered kind of the healthy piece. Like those components, those phytonutrients that are contained in the cocoa are really what helps green tea uh, can help quercetin, Celery is high in a, an agent that can help with cholesterol. So those are, garlic is really good, a pomegranate juice. So all those things, EPA, DHA, we talked about fish oil, fiber. Um, those are the things that are really, really important for us. Arginine is really good. It's an amino acid uh, in foods that can help with the cardiovascular, the nitric oxide that helps with the vascular component of blood pressure. But anyway, all that says is there's, lifestyle things we can do to eat and take supplements that can actually give synergy to helping the whole process. Because what happens is we take the drug and then we see the number, but what else did we do? And, and truthfully, these, these package inserts where, where they, they kind of give you the whole, every drug bottle we buy has to have this insert on it, which has all the studies, all the things on it. And what does it say for blood pressure and cholesterol medicine? You know, in conjunction with mm-hmm. lifestyle change and right. diet, this pill will it's, help you. It's not an only. But what do we, what does the normal person do? Is like, I have the problem. Give me the pill. I will do nothing else. Let's see what happens. Right. Well, there's so many things we can do. So that's just kind of the little gentle reminders that life, lifestyle is important in our daily health and wellness. Right. Well, that one's it. Thank you, guys. That was fun. Um, I get asked that question all the time. Yes, there are things we can do for our health and wellness as it pertains to blood pressure and cholesterol. So uh, we'll catch you later. My name is Josh Rimini. This is Dilworth Drug and Wellness, and we are listening to your Functional Rx podcast. <laughs>